Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show this week. Now, today, before I get underway, just want to thank you for staying loyal to the show and giving us ratings and reviews. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, we're getting up there now in the download numbers, and we really, really appreciate it. It's been going now for seven years. Uh, a lot of hard work, I can tell you, a big team behind the scenes, and we're very, very grateful to all our patrons who help keep us on air. Uh, and for those, you know, if anyone is interested in actually sponsoring the show, we would absolutely love to hear from you if you think you've got a, a product that's aligned with uh, what we do. Um, so all about longevity, anti-aging, high performance, mindset, uh, and being the best version of yourself that you can be. Today's guest is Alan Cash. Now, Alan is a physicist. Uh, he's also a biologist, and he's also a entrepreneur, uh, a very, very interesting man. And today we are going to be talking about a molecule called oxaloacetate. Now, that might sound very boring, but I can assure you it's not. I came across this molecule uh, in my research for my mum trying to uh, find things for cancer, and it came up on one of her advanced genetic testing uh, tests that we did that oxaloacetate, she would respond to uh, that for her cancer. So I went on a deep dive into what the heck is oxaloacetate and found uh, Alan's research. And so I want to share with you today all about oxaloacetate uh, and what it does. Uh, bear in mind, Alan is not a medical doctor. This is not medical advice, but I encourage you to uh, search out the links that we'll have in the show notes, hopefully for you with all the references, uh, to do your own research into this molecule. And I am also going to be uh, bringing uh, Benagen, which is the supplement that Alan, after all his research, 20 years of research, uh, has now produced. Um, I'm going to have that in my anti-aging and long uh, health supplement range. So make sure you do check out there. And, and if you want more information, of course, you can reach out to me. Um, now, what does oxaloacetate do? We have to be very careful what we say it does and doesn't do because it's a lot of clinical research around going around it. But I'm super excited about this molecule. It's a, it activates anti-aging genes. Um, it increases the ed, uh, energy production in the cell uh, and helps with your endurance. So for all those athletes out there that are wanting more muscle endurance, more uh, cardiovascular performance, uh, this is one that you might want to check into. Um, it helps reduce inflammation and of course inflammation is at the base of many of the aging diseases that we see uh, and preventing infl inflammation and uh, things like cytokine storms if you um, have been dealing with any types of viruses or any uh, arthritic uh, conditions or any other inflammatory conditions where the inflammation is sort of turned on in the body and you can't turn it off this is uh, an interesting molecule to research now Alan actually came across this in his uh, research around calorie restriction. Um, calorie restriction is one of the 
things that we can conclusively say in the scientific evidence that it extends lifespan when you don't eat so much, uh, <laughs> which is a pain in the butt because most of us like to eat nice things and we don't want to starve ourselves all the time. So that got Alan thinking about what are the types of pathways that are being impacted by this and how can we uh, uh, make a mimetic? A mimetic is something that sort of mimics the uh, pathways that are involved when you do calorie restriction. Um, and he came across this oxaloacetate. Now, originally the research was done in Japan by a group of scientists over there for diabetics and it had huge results. Uh, and he was like, well, why is this not being researched further? He flew to Japan, talked to the scientists, and they said, well, we can't patent it, therefore it's not going to go any further, this research. And therein lies the problem with the whole system, to be honest. Um, he then decided he was going to go and find a way, any way to research this chemical and this molecule and he has. Now it is naturally occurring chemical that's in the body. It's in every cell of the body. So it's pretty much a non-toxic and very safe thing to be thinking about. It helps. Uh, so as it acts as a calorie restriction mimetic. So it's like having your cake and eat it too. It's probably a bad analogy because you shouldn't eat cake, but um, you know what I mean. So uh, without having to starve yourself, you get the benefits of the fasting. Um, there are a number of molecules that do this, and I've covered a few of them in this podcast, and I'm on quite a lot of them. And it's one of the ways that I help maintain my uh, body shape and my function and uh, my better metabolic health above all, uh, not to mention my brain function. Um, and so, yeah, on that point, healthy brain function, because it acts like a, is it a, it's a ketone body uh, and ketones are very, very beneficial for uh, brain function, any sort of neuroinflammation, things like that. We've discussed that in depth on this podcast prior. Um, and it also acts as an antioxidant and inactivates reactive oxygen species. So lots of reasons to be loving this molecule. Um, and it really optimizes health on the cellular level. So great for athletes. It's also got some interesting research and I encourage you to go and do the research, uh, not just listen to this and, and jump into it for but for uh, things like brain cancer where there's not a lot out there um, that you can do for that or other types of cancers as I said I've been using it in my mum's uh, protocol um, so many reasons to be loving this uh, molecule and learning more about it so without further ado we'll go over to the show with Alan um, and if you want some more information about the programs that we run um, I would love to help you of course we uh, I do a lot of health optimization consulting um, on the individual level, Neil and I also do corporate wellness programs. We have our epigenetics and DNA programs that we run as well that helps you understand your genes better and how to optimize those genes. And we'd love you to reach out and find out a bit more about our epigenetics and our DNA testing programs and about our health consulting as well. We also have running hot coaching as well as uh, for all those athletes out there that are wanting to run better and do more. Um, <laughs> so make sure you check all that out. And my anti-aging and health supplement range, we have NMN Bio, which sits on its own website at nmnbio.nz, and that's with Dr. Alina Serenova, who's been on the show a number of times. Um, and that's, all, again, looking at longevity and anti-aging science. And um, this, is, this is yet another molecule that we can put into the mix alongside that. But NMN Bio, we have nicotinamide mononucleotide, quercetin, and um, TMG 
also known as trimethylglycine, in our range at the moment. And then over on lisatamati.com, which is my main website, um, I have a few other products as well, like um, Perfect Aminos, which I have with Neil, and I can put the links below to that one. We have exogenous ketones from uh, Keto Pro in the UK, which is a fantastic product, and Keto Bars. Uh, we have colloidal silver, and we have black cumin seed oil, and that list is growing all the time. And now we're going to be having Benagene, which is what we're talking about today. That is the oxaloacetate uh, molecule that we're discussing with Ellen. So without further ado, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the other side of this interview. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits this week. I have a fantastic, fascinating gentleman for you today. I have Ellen Cash. Welcome to the show. Lovely to have you, you, Ellen. (laughs) You're sitting in San Diego. I'm sitting in New Zealand. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we we both have great weather, right? Yeah, well, yeah, we've got a beautiful day today. So we're heading into winter. You guys are you know, on their way to summer. So yeah. you've got the best time ahead of you. Um, Ellen, today we're going to do a deep dive into a product that or a molecule that you've been studying for a very, very long time called oxaloacetate. Um you have a, a background as a physicist. Can you give us a little bit of your background before we get underway and start talking about this interesting molecule? Uh, sure. Um, I, uh, I've i been both a, a physicist and a uh, geologist, which is a uh, interesting combination. <laughs> in terms of looking at things like climate change lately, it's a little scary. Um, but in my background, I, I've also been a professional entrepreneur uh, and have started a variety of companies, uh, including a company that took DDT and and PCBs out of soil inexpensive. I did that in Australia and and, uh, Japan. uh, uh, The U.S. worked for the EPA, uh, the Department of Defense, the Department of Energy, and um, then sold that company and while I was working for that company, I, uh, I got sick. Um, and it wasn't because of the toxins that we were dealing with. It was because uh, as we age, your arteries and veins continue to grow. They get longer. And uh, I wasn't growing, well, at least I wasn't growing taller. I was growing a little wider. <laughs> And uh, as that happened, uh, the arteries and veins had to have someplace to go. So they fold over and they just keep doing their job. And uh, unfortunately, one folded over next to a, uh, a nerve. And as my heart beat, it served as a little saw that eventually cut through the myelin sheath in the nerve and then into the major nerve bundle in my brain. Uh, and and the effect was like putting a cattle prod to your head. Uh, it, was, it was on a pain scale of zero to 10. It was a solid 10. Oh. And, uh, didn't know what to do. And, and it, would, it would fire all at once. And then I would be pain free. And I'd just be like, you know, what just happened? Oh. And uh, so I went around to various doctors. My wife called up. Uh, a lot of different doctors and said, I'll take the first cancellation. And in that way, I was able to get in to see about 21 doctors in a week. And uh, nobody 
knew what it was until I came to this neurologist and he said, well, it's, it's this impingement and um, we can give you a bunch of drugs to help with epilepsy, which will reduce the seizures and uh, reduce the pain. So I took those and being the scientist, I was watching my dosage versus the amount of pain I was in and quickly realized that I was going to get to the toxic limit uh, very quickly. And uh, so I went on the internet and I found two places in the United States that deal with this particular thing. One was uh, on the East Coast. I'm, I'm on the West Coast in California. And the other one was two miles from my house. <laughs> and I, I called them up uh, and the head of the department answered the phone. And I told him what was going on. And he said, oh, you've got to come in tomorrow. And so I went in to that day. It was a Friday. And, and he asked me two questions. You know, was it an, an immediate start of this problem? And have you had an MRI? And I said yes to both of them. And he looked at my MRI results. He said, I can't see anything. So that's probably what it is. He said, we can go and, and do surgery where we'll separate the two things and, and put in a little piece of Teflon. And then they won't be able to, you know, interfere with each other. Um, he said, but I can't get the nurses this weekend. So I'll rearrange the hospital's operating schedule on Monday. We'll go Monday morning. Wow. Uh, they did a, a three-hour brain surgery on me uh, where they went into the back of my head and they followed the vein uh, or the artery until they could find where it crossed over. And then they just gently pulled it apart and put in a piece of Teflon and sewed me up. Wow. I've been pain-free for the last years, uh, which is an amazing story. If, if we can find out what the mechanism is and correct that, we can then correct the symptoms. And uh, at that point, you know, I was very thankful, obviously, because my life had returned. I, it, it was pretty bleak there for a while. Uh, and the other thing is that I realized that this was all caused by age. And so as a physicist, I started looking into, you know, how does aging affect us and what can we do about it? And what I found is that there's not much we can do about it. You know, there. I mean, people have been trying to do, you know, like pyramids and things like that. Just doesn't work. Um, there are some things that do work, um, and they're very limited. One is is calorie restriction. Mm. Um, when we give animals twenty five percent less than they would normally eat, if if you gave them a bowl of food every day and, and said eat what you want, if they eat twenty five percent less, they typically live about twenty five percent longer. Yeah, yeah. and that doesn't make sense at all because it, it seems like if you're, if you're eating less and getting less energy, you should have less energy to live with, but that's what we've seen. And we've seen it all the way from single cell yeast all the way up to uh, primates, uh, monkeys um, that we we've, we've done calorie restriction studies on everything. Um, there are some exceptions like lobsters. Um, we don't really understand lobsters, but 
lobsters. <laughs> uh, but outside of being a lobster, uh, <laughs> restriction seems to work throughout the animal kingdom in reducing uh, aging and reducing the side effects of aging. Uh, you know, some of the chronic diseases we yep. see, mm. um, which is incredible. So the question you have to ask yourself is, why aren't we all fasting on a regular basis? Because it's not much fun, Ellis. I, I, I tried it for a month, and my wife was so happy when I stopped. <laughs> she, You're suggested, grumpy? <laughs> she suggested that I was irritable. <laughs> of course, that's not true. I'm sure. It is, it is a false rumor. <laughs> so um, I started looking at the molecular basis of fasting and what was happening in the body. Um, and I uh, realized that some work being done uh, out of MIT and, and uh, Harvard Medical School, um, primarily in yeast models, uh, was looking at, at something called the NAD to NADH ratio. Yeah. Mm. And some of your listeners may be familiar with NAD or NADH. It's nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. Mm-hmm. So we call it NAD. And NADH is just with, with you know, it's the reduced version or the oxidized version. I, I can't remember which. But anyway, this ratio seemed to be key. And um, so I thought, Hmm, this is interesting. And and some people, I think Dave Sinclair and, and Lenny Garante. Yeah. But, um, if you could increase this ratio, you would, and, and they did it with genetic engineering because they're really smart. I'm not that smart. So I started looking for a way to, to increase this ratio so that I could see the increases in lifespan. And I started looking at the biomechanical pathways and I found oxaloacetate. If you put in oxaloacetate, it, it degrades to, to malate through the mm-hmm. enzyme malate to hydrogenase. And doing that, it takes NADH and turns it into NAD. And a guy named Krebs actually measured this change. Uh, you know, Hans Krebs, yeah. Yeah, you've heard of him. um, he found that within two minutes, you could change that ratio by 900% with, with oxaloacetate. And I thought, you know, that's insane. So then the question was, is, is, will it actually work to mimic calorie restriction? Um, and so I brought this idea, you know, I'm a physicist. I don't know what I'm doing as far as biology. Uh, so I brought it to uh, a guy, a professor at UCSD, uh, Dave Williams. And he's, this, this guy's brilliant. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And um, I told him the story and uh, he just looked at me. And then he got up and walked out of his office. <laughs> oh boy, I've really offended this guy. Uh, then he turns around to me and he says, oh, "Are you coming?" And, and <laughs> funny thing is, is Dave's a New Zealander off. So. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. And so I get up and I, I follow him, and he goes downstairs. He takes out this big thing of keys and he puts a key in a big steel door and. 
opens it up and there's this huge laboratory back there that that he's in in you know the head head researcher and he walks over to one of the benches and he takes his arm and goes and just pushes everything aside and he goes this is your spot <laughs> what are you talking about i'm a physicist i don't know what he goes how tough can this be we'll get some flies you'll give them oxaloacetate They'll either be alive or they'll be dead, and then you'll know. <laughs> so you okay. started your career in research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I had done some research before because I am a physicist, but um, I had the we we started off with actually little worms called C. elegans because mm-hmm. yep, the genetics of them are are much more known, and flies are kind of an outlier. Insects are a little bit weird. Um, but we did try flies eventually, and then we went to mice, and then we went to humans. And uh, but that's that's how I got my start with oxaloacetate is is in worms. And my wife thought I had lost my mind because I was going into the college, you know, UCSD every every day, looking in microscope, counting worms uh, that I'd given oxaloacetate, and she's what do you? what are you doing? <laughs> and uh, so we, we established that uh, they lived longer, which was really cool because uh, there are not a lot of things that do that. And uh, then we uh, started ordering specialty worms that had certain genes that were defective. Mm-hmm. We could see if when we gave the oxaloacetate to them, if they lived longer or if they didn't. So we could eliminate what were the critical genes, and we were able to follow along with the pathway, and it, it turned out to be the exact same pathway as, as calorie restriction, which is really exciting. We, we published that in the journal Aging Cell, and, um, you know, that, that was fun. You know, everyone should have a hobby, right? Uh, <laughs> and this seemed a bit more than the hobby. Yeah, yeah. But then I thought, you know, then we did, like I said, we did flies, we did mice, we saw lifespan increases in in both of them. And we thought, well, what about human beings? Um, You know, first of all, is is oxaloacetate toxic? Well, it turns out it's a human molecule. It's in metabolism. It's in every, practically every cell of your body uh, because it's in the citric acid cycle in your mitochondria to produce energy. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. And uh, so we, we spent some money doing some uh, toxicity testing. Uh, we, we tried to see how much we could give animals before they, they didn't do well. And we couldn't get enough into them. Um, we got up to like 5,000 milligrams a day, which is equivalent to about 3,600 capsules of our nutritional supplement in one day. Yeah. And they were still like, good. Uh, We did long-term testing and and looked at, you know, all sorts of liver function and and blood work. And and we had to do autopsies on the animals. Um, So the good news for the animals is some of them got the oxaloacetate and they got to live longer. Some of them got the oxaloacetate, and we had to sacrifice them to see what was going on. Um, so it, it was a mixed bag for them. 
Uh, but what we saw is, is this stuff is essentially non-toxic. And uh, so we thought, you know, this might make a really interesting nutritional supplement. But I wonder if anyone's given oxaloacetate to people before. I mean, it's fine to do all these animal tests. And, and it's really cool to find uh, something that, that allows animals to live longer. Uh, you know, Dave Sinclair actually came and visited our lab when he wow. found out. He's one of my it. heroes. I love his work. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and he, he looked at me and he just said, there's not many people who can extend lifespan. Exactly. Welcome to the club. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> I'm not even a biologist. Uh, <laughs> so, it, it yeah, it's it is exciting to be able to do that. Um, will it work in people? You know, we haven't run a long enough test to really be able to know. I mean, you'd have to do it for a hundred years. Yeah. You know, it's, so yeah. we we look at short term things now um, that are a little bit more measurable. Um, and some of the exciting, I mean, oxaloacetate is is a hot molecule right now. Uh, because it, it turns out that it, it helps to moderate metabolism on a cell-by-cell basis. Uh, when we can increase the amount of oxaloacetate, it actually changes how metabolism occurs in the cell. Right. That can be really important to some people. This is where I want to, you know, dive in if I can and start talking about this. Is you, you have developed a, a natural health supplement called oxaloacetate, um, and I came across this research because I was searching for my mum who has cancer, lymphoma, um, and oxaloacetate came up on one of her advanced gene tests as being something that she will respond to. So this is how it came on my radar, and then I started to do the research and came across your work. And I, and I know that this was done, in the, I think, in the 60s in Japan where they did diabetic research uh, and, and found no. that it was actually beneficial for diabetics, but it wasn't further. That story was fascinating. Can you tell me a little bit about that story? Yeah. We, uh, when we were first thinking about this as a nutritional supplement, uh, I came across a clinical trial that was done uh, at Sendai University um, or no, excuse me, Tohoku University in Sendai, Japan, which is by a nice little town uh, called Fukushima, mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> which had had some other had problems. Some issues, yeah. And um, anyway, I, I flew to Japan to to talk to them about this study that was done in the 1960s, and uh, they spoke English because uh, my Japanese was not very good. And uh, I, I held the paper and said, you know, is, is this paper from your department? And they said, yes, yes, we, we, we did that work. And I said, that, that's great. And I said, I only found one study that showed that oxaloacetate reduced fasting glucose levels in type 1 and type 2 diabetics. He said, that's pretty important. And they said, yes, it was very good result. And I said, Where's the follow-on work? I mean, did did someone die? And uh, they said, no, 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 no one died. You know, what's wrong with you? Um, They said, 
it it's a natural compound. And I said, yeah, it's it's a natural it's exciting. <laughs> compound. And uh, they said, yeah, no patent rights. And, and therein that, lies the problem. And that, and that was the end of our conversation. Well, you know, I figure I, I was looking at this a different way. Um, I thought if this is a helpful compound, um, let's get it out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, as it turned out, we were able to get some patent rights because oxaloacetate has, has a big problem. If you put a jar of it on your kitchen table, um, in about a week, it will break down into carbon dioxide and pyruvate, uh, neither of which are toxic, but neither of them are oxaloacetate, and they don't have the same properties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we had to figure out how to stabilize it, and we did that by, it turns out that oxaloacetate occurs in, in two major forms. One is a keto form in which the four carbon molecules are in a straight line. Mm-hmm. And the other one is an enol form in which the four carbon molecules are in a L shape. And the keto form spontaneously breaks down in, in moments and right. the form is stable. So what we had to do is, is first manufactured into the enol form. And then we had to deal with the fact that there's a catalyst that changes it from the enol form to the keto form and, and back. And typically what happens with, with oxaloacetate is it changes from the enol form to the keto form, and then the keto form disappears, and then the oxaloacetate's gone. Well, the catalyst is water. So we manufactured it in the anhydrous way. We have to manufacture it so it's very, very dry and only in this enol form. And then when you swallow it, it turns into regular oxaloacetate, uh, keto and enol. Uh, and it's used up by the cells in about an hour. So it doesn't matter if it takes a week to break down. Mm-hmm. So. We, we were able to get a composition of matter patent on on the anhydrous enol oxaloacetate, which has about a two-year shelf life. So we can send it out now as a nutritional supplement, medical food, or, or drug. And it was combined with vitamin C? Uh, we found that vitamin C helped to stabilize it. Um, so for our nutritional supplement, um, we, we combine it with, with vitamin C to get a longer shelf life. Um, for our medical food and our drug, um, if you combine it with anything else, the FDA makes you do a clinical trial on both ingredients separately and then the combination. So your, your costs just tripled. Wow. Uh, so we're, yeah, isn't that interesting? Mm. So we're just doing it with oxaloacetate, um, and we just keep it in the refrigerator and, refrigerate it we get you know so far about a three-year or more shelf life that's for the medical uh food one yeah, not the, yeah the, for the medical food and and yep. for some of the uh applications we're looking at as a as a drug 
So if we go into a little bit into that research, um, they're doing some research around brain cancer and using this medical food for brain cancer. Um, What what are the mechanisms of action, why it would be beneficial for some, perhaps for some people with brain cancer or cancers in general? Like what are are some of the reasoning behind the mechanisms that that could be working? Yeah. um, There... I have to be a little bit careful here because I manufacture a nutritional. Yes. Yeah. And, and you're not a doctor. Nutritional yes. supplements are made to keep healthy people healthy and are not to be used as, as drugs. And uh, the dosages we use in our drug studies are much higher than, than we use for nutritional supplements. Uh, but what's going on with oxaloacetate as a potential drug uh, for uh, things like glioblastoma, which is, is brain cancer. Uh, and, and the FDA has looked at our data and they've given us something called an orphan drug designation and a mm-hmm. track designation to try to move this along faster because uh, the data is, is very compelling. Um, is that because oxaloacetate can modify metabolism, there's, there's a certain metabolism of cancer cells uh, where you take in a lot of sugar, a lot of glucose, and instead of running that, that glucose through pyruvate and then into the mitochondria and, and burning it uh, with oxygen, okay, which is what the, the mitochondria does, they're little mm-hmm. plants yep. within our cells. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of doing that, um, there's a mechanism that's very primitive in, in our evolution where you can ferment that sugar and that goes into lactate. And, and so they, they call this the Warburg effect. Yes, uh, I'm familiar. Yep. Uh, yeah. Otto Warburg, he was a German scientist back in the 1930s and uh, discovered this and pretty much most solid cancer tumors have this Warburg effect going mm-hmm. on where the cells are, are making energy in a different way. And they're doing that as a defense mechanism because, you know, there, there may have been some insult or, or some problem. Uh, some gene didn't turn on properly and it said, okay, go to, go to this other mechanism. Go to this primitive form. Yep. Yeah, and when it does that, unfortunately, it makes a lot of what we call uh, ROS, which is um, reactive. Yeah, reactive oxygen species. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And and those mess with everything in the cell. They're they're kind of a random shotgun thing where they're floating around, and and if they hit DNA, they 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 can damage it. You know, your cell can repair these things, but only to a limited extent. So you've got you've got all these bullets flying around now um, because your your cells making this odd energy in order to continue on, and then the lactate that it produces exports out of the cell and helps to feed other parts of the tumor that can't get uh, energy from anywhere else uh, because the vasculature hasn't grown in there. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't need oxygen. It, it can survive in these anoxic conditions. And 
it allows the tumor to grow and it also allows the tumor to spread to other areas of the body. So not only does the tumor get bigger, but it becomes more lethal. Mm. And what oxaloacetate's been shown to do just recently is reverse the Warburg effect. Yep. Actually force the cell into making energy out of the mitochondria instead of fermenting it in the, in the cell in the main part the cytosol of the cell and uh making lactate so you would think well okay if we can change cancer metabolism cell by cell mm. the tumor should grow less and we've been able to show um that when you give oxaloacetate uh to cells the proliferation of those cancer cells drops off like a rock, uh, but only at a certain amount. So you have to feed it enough so that it works. But before that, it has no effect on the cell. And then all of a sudden, and the cell stops reproducing. Um, so the dosage is, a, is an important thing there. Yeah, so you want to get, want to get the dosage up high. And, and then there's always the question is, is it getting to where you need it to get to? Exactly. Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy Pushing the Limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way. But to do that, we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out. So if you're interested in becoming a patron for Pushing the Limits podcast, then check out everything on patron.lisatamati.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-N dot lisatamati.com. We have two patron levels to choose from. You can do it for as little as $7 a month New Zealand or $15 a month if you really want to support us. So we, we are grateful if you do. There are so many members benefits you're going to get if you join us. Everything from workbooks for all the podcasts, the strength guide for runners, uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatamati.com and thanks very much for joining us. And uh, we we just recently um, looked at oxaloacetate and the mechanism of how it brings itself into the cell. How are we getting it in there? How much is getting in there? It's all been pretty fascinating research. So that's one way that it works. Another way that it works is there's uh, another compound in the brain uh, called glutamate. And yes, it's right. A lot in your cells. Okay, so there's a lot in your cells. And then outside of your cells, glutamate is used to fire off the neutrons in your brain. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's essential. But a lot of people have too much glutamate. I Uh, definitely do. (laughs) Well, very excitable. (laughs) You know, if you have like circular thinking where you calm it down, that may be a sign of of too much glutamate. and if you get head injury, mm. the first thing that happens is the cells get ruptured 
they release all this glutamate, this glutamate like a thousand times more on the inside of the cells than on the outside. And that excites your neurons they so fire much off until they die. That they that they die. It's called excitotoxicity. Mm. And it's a big problem with any kind of brain damage from stroke or injury or or diabetic uh, problems. Um, and so oxaloacetate's been shown in many studies now to be able to go into the bloodstream and it combines with a, a liver enzyme, a glutamate oxaloacetate transanamase, which mm-hmm. is also AST uh, nowadays, and bind up that glutamate and make alpha-ketoglutarate, which is, is not... Uh, ex- doesn't cause this excitotoxicity and by just bringing it down in your in your bloodstream like this you can then also make the glutamate go across the blood brain barrier uh and lower uh glutamate levels in the brain so this wow. is it's amazing like someone is someone who's you know worked with people with brain injuries and strokes and dementia and had a mum with with her own brain injuries. Anything that can stop that that excessive glutamate is is something that should be on all our radars. Like, like I just wanted to sort of highlight that that's a really important finding for people with anything from concussions to strokes. Uh, <clears throat> so that's well, we, we we don't have the research to prove that in humans, all that research was done in animals. And so that's one of the things we're looking at is, is cognition. Um, We're looking at, for instance, Alzheimer's patients Mm. uh, finished a a phase one clinical trial in that. Excellent. And one of the, the neat things we saw there is, is not only did we reduce those glutamate levels, but we were able to increase the amount of glucose or sugar that the brain could actually take up and use. Wow, because that's the other thing that happens, of course, with brain problems is your inability to uptake the glucose. Yeah, yeah. And so that's good. And then we also saw an increase in mitochondrial density. Um, there's there's a, a signaling protein called PG1, uh, PG1-alpha, I think. Anyway. Uh, that upregulates, and we're able to get more mitochondria to build. So we're producing more mitochondria, the little power plants of the cell, and then we allow the cell to take in more glucose, and then we force that glucose to go into the mitochondria to burn instead of being fermented. Uh, so it's like a triple whammy. Yeah. Uh, providing energy for what you need to do. And this has a lot of repercussions. Um, We did some some muscle testing where we mounted a a single muscle cell onto a plate that that measured its force. And then we did the old frog legs experiment where you electrify it. And that makes, you know, that happen. And we measure that force. And then we measure it over and over again in, in like just short bursts so that we can see over time the muscle will all of a sudden start losing its ability to contract. And that's you, you arbitrarily pick a, a fatigue point. So let's yep. say 80% of where it used to be. You pick, say, that's okay, that's fatigue. 
When we give oxaloacetate to that muscle, you know, just put it in solution and with, with the muscle, we can get 10% more time out of that muscle before it goes into fatigue. That's huge for athletes. I hope the athletes are picking up how important that one is. So so we have some some Olympic athletes that that take oxaloacetate prior to uh, both working out and and also to uh, competition. And because it's a human metabolite, it's not a banned substance. Um, And especially if they're dealing with, you know, most athletic competitions are are on one-tenth of one percent difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. At the upper levels. Ten percent difference in in endurance would do. Huge. And and more to the point, imagine an older gentleman like myself, um, who just needs a little bit of a boost to, you know, get through the day to to be able to walk without tripping. Um Things like that. I mean, there are a lot of different uses for this. We, we, just, as a matter of fact, we just finished um, a clinical trial in something called chronic fatigue syndrome. Mm-hmm. It's also called MECFS. And uh, what we saw, the, some of these people had had uh, a d- disease. Well, it's not a, a disease according to the FDA. It's a condition. Uh, but they've had this condition for up to 30 years where if they exercise at all, it might just wipe them out and they could take a week or two weeks or three weeks to get back on track where they can just barely, barely live. And it's just shocking that we've been able to do very, very little for these people because there's not a lot that, that affects fatigue in muscles. I mean, you can give caffeine, but that caffeine really affects the nervous system, mm. not muscles. And mm. well, caffeine only works for a short period of time and then you get used to it. And, you know, you can only have so many cups of coffee and then it, it doesn't affect you anymore. So being able to affect fatigue is, is really exciting research. And we, show, we showed in our clinical trial um, that we're able to get about a 25 to 30% drop in fatigue levels within six weeks, even in people that, that had chronic fatigue syndrome for up to 30 years. Wow. And that would be like from the, the mitochondrial density. Uh, there, there, there are five things we've, we've figured out and we don't know which ones are the most important. Um, one of the things we see in, in people who are heavily fatigued all the time, and, and we're starting to see this with long COVID patients too, mm. which is, is really scary, is they have chronic inflammation. Mm. Which um, is aging a, itself, yeah. Yeah, there's something called the NF-kappa-B uh, mm. way, and that's a protein that sits in the cytosol, and, and when you have an event where you need a bunch of energy, uh, to fight disease or to uh, fight an injury, it translocates to the nucleus. It opens up the DNA chromatin, and it turns on genes that then release a cytokine storm 
to deal with the, the disease or deal with the injury. And, and that's a great thing, unless you can't turn it off. Yeah, it's the turning off of that cytokine storm, isn't it? That's, and this is where chronic inflammation for everything from arthritis yeah. to long COVID. And so one of the things we, we've seen uh, is with high levels of oxaloacetate uh, supplementation in animal models, and we're, you know, we're still testing this in people. But in animal models, we can reduce that NF-kappa-B translocation to the nucleus by 70%. Wow. So we can turn off that cytokine storm, and we think that's one of the things that's, that's helping these, these people. Another thing we see with chronic fatigue is uh, problems with mitochondria. So by making new mitochondria, we're perhaps helping that uh, by increasing the amount of glucose that can come into the cell and be processed. We're improving the amount of fuel plus the number of burners that can burn the fuel, the mitochondria. Um, so there's a lot going on. Uh, and the insulin resistance would improve and your ability to see so your AGEs, your, you know, your end products glycation would reduce. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we, we see all of that. Wow. Um, and uh, so uh, we're now in our second clinical trial uh, at the Bateman Horn Center in, in Salt Lake City. Uh, mm-hmm. We're independently. And um, we're measuring all sorts of things in these chronic fatigue patients. Uh, and we have a, a controlled placebo group uh, to compare against. And uh, we should have that data by the end of the year. So Hopefully we can we can help these people and maybe some of this research will translate to some of the long COVID people too. Yeah, absolutely, because it's uh, this is always the frustrating thing that I've always been frustrated throughout my um, journeys into health and so on is uh, we we when we understand the mechanisms of action, but we haven't got the clinical research and a lot of molecules that would be very, very interesting to study just don't have the backing, you know, either because they can't get patents or even therapies like hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which is starting to be more and more recognised. But honestly, mm-hmm. it's such a, a brilliant therapy for so many things, but we need ongoing research Uh, and it's always frustrating as a patient or someone who works with people who have health issues when you have something that is possibly going to be fantastic for them but you're sort of held up waiting for 20 years Uh, and as a you know I'm a biohacker I'm a bit like you know Dave Asprey a mini Dave Asprey Uh, (laughs) try everything out on myself you know and experiment and see what what works and understanding some of these mechanisms is just really important because then we can actually start to connect the dots ourselves and sort of work out, you know, what, and and where there's low risk, you know, when you've got, um, and so, you know, like with your natural health supplement, I'm excited to get that because then I can try things for myself. I've definitely got it in the mix for my mum. And, and hopefully delay this aging because we're all running out of time, Alan. <laughs> we need to hurry up and get this research done. And it takes yeah. so long, doesn't it? It's so, such a long-winded process, all of this. And, it, it uh, yeah. But, you know, we, we try to dot our I's and cross our T's. Yeah, you have to. The, uh, you know, the uh, toxicity studies, we the animal studies, we're now 
doing the the human studies and and hopefully that that works out so that uh, we can help people um, but in the meantime I need to caution your listeners I am not a medical doctor uh, so think of me as the guy changing the tire down the street um, probably have the same knowledge base <laughs> the other thing is that uh, our nutritional supplements are to Try to keep healthy people healthy. Uh, they're not really designed to treat uh, diseases. Uh, so just, you know, something to keep in mind. And, and mm. we're clear in that. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And we have to be very, very cautious. Um, I wanted to just uh, back up and, and talk about the hippocampus. Um, and I listened to one of your lectures or one of your interviews. We were talking about it's uh, the oxaloacetate looks as if it's actually helping produce new neurons. That was like, whoa! Is that is that a thing? Like, can can we yeah. produce new neurons even later on in life? Uh, yeah, that. Uh, where's that state it, of research? We uh, we used to think that the brain was was very much a uh, an organ that uh, once it was made, it it didn't change, uh, and that was. It was really bad news for us that went to college uh, and enjoyed <laughs> too many too many beers. <laughs> but um, no, what we've seen, uh, at least in animal models, is that uh, the oxaloacetate uh, turns on some of the mechanisms to uh, not only increase the number of neurons in the brain but to increase the length of the axions, the little tendrils that connect to other neurons. Uh, and so you get a double whammy. Uh, you get more brain cells and you get longer connections that can interact. Now, what does that mean? We don't know. Um, it, it's, a, it, it's, it's better than the alternative uh, of losing brain cells. Uh, and that's one of the reasons we're looking at it for Alzheimer's. Uh, the other reason is that we've seen this up, up, this increase in in uh, glucose uptake in the brain, which typically Alzheimer's patients lose the ability to pull up uh, glucose in, into their cells, into their their neurons, which is why it's sometimes called referred to as a type three diabetes. Yes, and oxaloacetate in, in clinical trials at higher dosages have been shown to, to improve that. Um, so we'll, we'll see if anything comes of that, but. Um, Is it sort of similar to um, you, the keto diet, for example, and exogenous ketones? What is, you know, like oxaloacetate, that is a type of ketone from what I understand. Is yeah. Chemically, exogenous uh, ketones. Yeah, chem chemically oxaloacetate is is a ketone. Um, the uh, when when most people talk about ketones, they're uh, actually speaking about two other uh, ketones that are are your body produces when you're in uh, a starvation mode, um, and oxaloacetate is not one of those. Right, uh, but it doesn't seem to matter because um, the brain can process oxaloacetate as an energy source um, e even if you don't have 
you know, even if you're in starvation mode. So that's kind of cool. So is it like beta-hydroxybutyrate in that way that, you know, like if you've got beta-hydroxybutyrate, that's going to help, you can burn that for a fuel source? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why it can help. Wow, this is, we, we've, we've covered quite a lot of ground. How, how Alan, how would this work, you know, for things like attention and focus and, uh, uh, again, with all the dis- disclosures that we're not allowed to, you know, prescribe anything or even talk about medical uh, diseases. But from a mechanism of action point of view, this should help with focus and attention, um, being able to be calmer if the glutamate is, is not so pronounced in the brain. Yeah, we, uh, we've done a couple of clinical trials now that address that. Um, for instance, uh, anxiety, depression, and, and even suicidal ideation. Uh, were shown to uh, be very much uh, reduced uh, in women with uh, emotional uh, premenstrual syndrome wow. uh, issues. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it was interesting. I, I One of my doctors told me, you know, we had a patient, uh, she came in and, and she said, this stuff is great. I, I don't have PMS anymore. And being a guy <laughs> said, oh, that's good. <laughs> it was like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> um, she was having a hard and, time, uh, obviously. <laughs> and, and I didn't understand. Um, I didn't understand that, you know, about 10% of women who menstruate also have these terrible, terrible emotional swings. Um, and some of them, uh, it starts when they're, you know, 13 or 14 years old, and it continues on uh, till they're, you know, in their 40s or 50s. And they hide, you know, every month for two to three days, they'll, they'll just disappear and they'll, they'll just hide. And it's because they, they know if they're around people, they'll just snap their heads off. Uh, yep. You know, and, and they don't want to lose their job. They don't want to lose their friends. They don't want to lose their, their lovers. Uh, they want to be able to interact with their children. So they just hide. And we did the clinical trial and uh, in, in oxaloacetate and, and PMS. And we, we did it as a, a double-blinded placebo-controlled crossover trial, um, which is like the gold standard, we saw a 50% drop in depression, a 50% drop in anxiety, percent drop in, in suicidal ideation. So it, it probably saved some lives. Um, we, uh, we've got that as, as a product, a separate product. Um, it's, but it's, it's, again, it's oxaloacetate. We then also looked at, at a clinical trial we, we did in, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. And one of the things we did was look at it as if it were muscular chronic problems or if it were mental fatigue, um, like brain fog. Mm. And we saw that oxaloacetate improved both of them, uh, which is really, really interesting. Uh, Because a lot of people you'll talk to uh, that like have have long COVID or or, uh, other 
neuroinflammation going on that that last a long time um they'll go through all sorts of fatigue and and it's not it's not just muscular fatigue it's it's also um it's also uh brain fog yeah absolutely so so ellen uh, you know what do you do personally and and for you and your family um you know not from medical advice point of view but are you taking this regularly yourself after studying this molecule for how many decades now it's been yeah, quite a long yeah, time I've, yeah i've been taking it um since we identified it as a, an anti-aging product i'm actually 147 <laughs> and, uh, well maybe that's not true <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I've been taking it, uh, for over 10 years. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, thankfully I'm, I'm very blessed with good health right now. And, and, uh, hopefully that, that stays, um, I can't blame it on oxaloacetate. It may be just genes, good genes, who knows, but it, it may have something to do with the oxaloacetate. Yeah, and you know, for anti-aging, you know, we're all wanting to find anti-aging things. And um, I have a couple of products in the in the range that I have, like um, nicotinamide mononucleotide, which you know Dave Sinclair talks a lot about. And that, again, that that's looking at the NAD. You know, that's increasing your, your NAD uh, in the yes. body. So, so that would, you know, without understanding the whole all the mechanisms involved there, it would seem to be like uh, something along those same path pathways and the whole yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to take advantage of of the only thing that we really know that has increased longevity and that's calorie restriction without having to do the calorie restriction so much yeah yeah <laughs> yeah there's that i, I yeah kind of like we like food <laughs> yeah yeah it's good stuff plus it's it's food is important also socially I mean, there are so many of our customs revolve around sharing food together. So. Yeah. I, I, uh, that's why if anything that is a calorie, you know, uh, restriction mimetic uh, or a senolytic or, a, you know, something that improves autophagy and gets rid of senescent cells or anything that's along those lines that we can take. Because, yeah, we, we, we all, hopefully we're, you know, becoming more aware of eating more healthily and unprocessed food and, you know, organic where possible and, you know, all of these things. But the reality is most people are not going to have the perfect diet, not going to be in the imperfect environment, can't maybe even afford to have great food or organic food or, you know, all of these things that restrict us from having the ideal. So finding things that we can put into the mix that help improve that and take advantage of the knowledge of these mechanisms of action and why that's helping, you know, why the lower calories helping people live longer um, is, is just super important research, let alone from the whole possible uh, drug development and disease management and all of these other things, which, you know, you, you're obviously going to spend the next few decades studying. Um, and, and this is the thing, like you, you have spent, how many years have you been involved in this? Uh, and you know, we're near, I think people need to get a bit of an idea of how long it takes to study something like this it does not oh we've discovered this great molecule and two years later we've got it on the market and two years after that it's a drug it doesn't quite work wouldn't it (laughs) yeah i started uh studying this in uh 2006 wow 
So, there you go. Um, and, and principally, all I do is study this one molecule, which makes me really boring at cocktail. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> and I would be just like, this is why these, these conversations for me are just totally fascinating because it is the deep research where we're going to find all these 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 fantastic things that we're going to be able to help us because at the end of the day, all of us want to live longer, healthier, have a longer health span, um, longer lifespan, um, and, and not get these horrible diseases that ail so many of us. And none of us are going to know what's around the corner for us, but if we can be in that preventative space and be in uh, understanding this more and more, then that is, to me, the most fascinating conversation we can have. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I think uh, people like you are uh, superstars in my, my eyes, you know. Um, perhaps I'm just an, uh, a science nerd, but <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Alan, you've been absolutely fantastic today. I want to thank you for your time, your patience with me, because I'm very excited about this molecule, as you can probably tell. Um, and I want to share... Uh, your research. Um, I would love to get any uh, references that you want to point me in the direction of, um, and also your uh, your product. I'm actually going to be bringing it into the country, and it's on its oh, way great. here now. I've uh, talked to your team, and uh, they've set me up. So I'm very excited for 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 this to have this in the range. Um, so thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything else that you'd like to get across before we wrap it up? Well, I mean, if, if you've got an issue with fatigue, uh, if you've got an issue with uh, perhaps your blood sugar is, is a little higher than you want it to be, um, you know, this is something you may want to try. Um, and, and, you know, the, the downside of this is, yeah, it costs a little bit of money, but the upside is if it works, it's in, I, I keep getting emails from people, this is life-changing. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. The first email you get from somebody when you, you change their life is it, it's like four pages long and they, you know, they talk about their dog and, and they talk, <laughs> you know, the tree that they planted outside. You know, it just goes on and on. This, uh, about two months later, you get another email that says, you know, it's still going good. And, and, and then, you know, six months later, you get one line that just says, <laughs> and that's, that's good because rather than focusing on all your problems, it's, they've moved on, you know, they've moved on, you know, they're, they're no longer defined by their problems. They're yeah. down, they've got the solution and, and they're just moving on to other parts of their life, which is really, really quite rewarding for me. That's been uh, what I find too, working with, with clients is that, yeah, they, we, as soon as the pain's gone or the problem is disappearing, they've forgotten that they had it and they're off. And they don't actually, sometimes the, what happens then is that they stop all their protocol and the thing that they were doing. And because uh, yeah, I'm fixed now, I'm fixed. <laughs> I don't need it anymore. And I'm like, hang on a minute, you, you don't drop the ball now. You, you're already underway. You've got to stay underway. You've got to keep it going. So on that point, with oxaloacetate and with the Benagene product, um, a cumulative effect as well. So there's a genetic changes that happen over time as well as the immediate effects. Yeah, we, we see both. Um, so, so 
there's a pharmacological effect, which is immediate, like an improvement in fatigue that, that some people see. And then there's a uh, genomic effect that occurs as you keep your NAD to NADH ratio high, it activates something called AMPK yep. and uh, allows other genes to turn on. Mm-hmm. And the cumulative effect of that usually takes a, a month or more to be able to see. Now, the good news there is because it's genomic, when you stop taking it, it works for about a month and a half until your system goes back to the way it was. Um, and then you don't feel so good anymore. Uh, but, you know, if you forget to take it a day or, or two, it, it may not matter uh, as long as you take it, you know, consistently. And yep. uh, so that's, that's pretty cool, too. And then this is, yeah, this is with so many things. People, yeah, they don't, they, they either, they want the immediate response. So the magic bullet, you know, like I, I took it today. Why am I not feeling better? Um, <laughs> and then once they do start to feel better, then they like, we don't need it anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm fixed. And um, yeah, often that isn't the case. And you want that cumulative and those epigenetic changes and those 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 long-term changes. And so some things we do in life, we cycle in and out, and that's really good for the body. But some things we need that accumulative effect over a longer period of time. And oxaloacetate seems to be one of those that we just keep on taking and we keep getting the benefits from it, um, yeah. you know, looking at your research. Um, thank you, Ellen, so much for today. It's been absolutely fascinating. I'm looking forward to getting all those emails from my clients saying it's changed their lives so <laughs> it's going to be interesting and then I'll send you emails saying it's, it's been really really helpful for X amount of people so Ellen you're making an impact in the world thank you so much for your time today and for your wonderful research it's just absolutely fantastic great talking to you today and uh, thanks for your interest that's it this week for pushing the limits Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com 